Well, today is a ascending service today and uh, day, and we get to start, Bryce, by sending you. And it's not because we don't like you. We like you a lot. And uh, today, it's so cool, Alex and Julie, uh, to celebrate with you. And uh, I don't know what this means for you, Britain. Where'd Britain go? Does this mean, like, more attention, more stuff, more food? Pretty much, yeah. Britain's done a good job raising his older brother, and uh, he's a part of this success story. We have wonderful, close, dear friends, and we have grandparents as well. And uh, Bryce, you are in a few days uh, off to become, in the Army, a combat medic. And we want to thank you for your finding God's will for your life. We believe that God has called you to this. We want to thank you for your obedience to him. We want to thank you for your service to our nation. I want to thank you for your courage and your willingness to step into an unknown. Uh, the one thing we know is that what you're going to be doing takes a lot more courage than what I'm doing. I know that. And today it's, it's with great respect that we pray for you and we honor you. And it's been really cool uh, watching you uh, get taller over the last few years. And uh, you've always been stinking handsome. And uh, I've always had just a little bit of envy about that. But... <laughs> But on the whole, it has been a real privilege for us to be at this point in your uh, growing journey. And now for as a man of God, for us to get to lay hands on you and commission you as this church and send you into the next thing that God has for you. Would you extend your hand of blessing this way as we pray for Bryce? Lord, I want to thank you that long before this guy was born, You recorded every one of his days in your book, and he has found his way as a Christ follower in the path that you have for him, and he has been led by you, Spirit, into this commitment and journey, and we thank you for your faithfulness in his life. We want to thank you for his mom and his dad and his brother and for extended family and friends who have been a part of his life and support as well. And we join them today, Lord, in commissioning Bryce to you into this next season of his life. We pray, Lord, that you would go before him and prepare the way. He's going to encounter people he's never met before. We believe that you will have brought them into his life for their benefit. We ask that you would put your hand of blessing on him, Lord, and that you would constantly be with him and speaking to him and guiding him and caring for him. Lord, we ask that you would come behind him and protect him as he follows you into into a life that may put himself in harm's way on behalf of selfless love for others. Protect him, Lord. The Bible word is hedge him in, Lord. Just put a big hedge around him. Just care for him front, on top, back, and behind, and all around as we commend him to your grace, and we send him with the fullness of your spirit. And, Lord, our ongoing commitment is that we're going to be praying for Bryce as well. We send him in Jesus' name. Would you say together with me? Amen. And would you say, I agree and I thank you. We're proud of you. We're with you. Bless you. Go ahead and stand if you'd like. We honor you.
That is not the only mistake you'll see me make if you get to know me much. <laughs> Just happens to be this morning. So, well, so good to be with all of you. How many of you got to see the eclipse this last Monday? Oh, yeah, a huge amount of you. Okay, how many of you got to see totality? Okay, uh, some, but not as many. Well, I just thought it would be good to refresh our memories on the enormity of God by taking a look at first three pictures taken by our own Matt Heath, one of our eKids leaders, whose avocation is astronomy, and he helped some people in Corvallis and was their astronomical guide, you could say. So those are the three coronas, the early, the middle, and the late. And now let's take a look at this video from Isaac Hovitt, who we sent out five years ago. And notice the people scurrying. (laughs) And the sky getting bluer. And now you can say you saw totality. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to sit down if I can stand it myself. It's really hard to sit down for the message. But I took a little trip in the produce cooler at Costco yesterday on some spinach. A bed of green. It's the best kind there is. Well, we want to talk today about being sent. And we just looked at this amazing handiwork of God in the eclipse. And I don't know about you, but I'd like to just applaud who God is, his enormity, his creative design that was on display this week. And would you join me in just applauding him this morning and his greatness? The thing is, that's the same God who sent his son Jesus as an intervention on our behalf and every other person on planet Earth. And that's the same God that's sending the sawchucks this morning and inviting us to participate with him in sending them to Battleground Washington. And that is a privilege. We get to be part of his sending someone. And before we do that, we want to take a look at three things that we can learn about sending or that we can know about sending from a Jesus encounter out of the book of John. Now, the gospel of John is, has a lot to say, actually, about sending and being sent. In fact, sent and it's all of its derivatives comprise almost 60 
different occurrences in that gospel. And when we talk about being sent, we're talking about God's mission on planet Earth. And we get our English word mission from the Latin word missio, which literally means to be sent, to be sent. So at the heart of sending is this well-established fact that sending is God's idea. Jared and I didn't wake up one morning and say, let's send Rick and Elizabeth. Let's call around and see where they can go. That didn't happen. And Rick and Elizabeth didn't wake up one morning and do that and say, okay, we want to be sent. Let's see. Let's look at a map and decide. God is the initiator, and it's his idea for sending. And that's what he's inviting us into. And he chose us, you and me, to extend his love, his forgiveness, his acceptance across his big world to the people that he puts in our paths. So today, I'd like to zoom in on just one encounter. I call it a Jesus encounter that Jesus' disciples had with him shortly after his death and resurrection. And we want to hear what he said about being sent because Jesus has an encouragement for all of us this morning. I read out of John 20, verses 19 through 22. Here's what it says. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. And the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. You can kind of feel the relief in that statement. But again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Now, if some of you thought those words kind of sound familiar, I think I've heard them before. Well, yes, you've probably read in those in John. But you know what? Earlier, in fact, it could have just been days before When Jesus was praying to his father in John 17, verse 18, he says something very similar. He says, as you sent me into the world, Father, I have sent them into the world. So the first thing that we know today about being sent from this little Jesus encounter is that every follower of Jesus is sent. It's football season. College football season, my favorite of all. It's just starting. Maybe you saw a couple of the games yesterday on TV that were the early games. But in the next few months, more than 50 million people will make a decision to sit in a stadium and cheer on their favorite team at least once during the season. And another 200 million people are going to tune in on their TVs as spectators to watch these games. Spectators, we love that sport. Sometimes, though, we do the same thing about being sent by Jesus. We say, oh, that's for people with assignments like pastors and missionaries or evangelists or children's pastors or worship leaders. That's for those people in vocational ministry roles. I'm an analyst. I'm an engineer. I'm a teacher. I'm a mom. I'm unemployed and looking for work. It really doesn't matter what blank, what you fill in in that blank. The thing is, when you and I decide to follow Jesus, we have linked arms with him and we're running out of the tunnel 
And you know why that's the image. Because every football stadium that I know has a tunnel that the players run out on with their coach onto the playing field at the very start of the game. And when we decide to follow Jesus, we link arms with him and we're running out of the tunnel onto his mission field to show people his love, his life, and his forgiveness. Whatever your job is, whatever neighborhood you live in, whatever season of life you're in, you are his player on his mission field. Every follower of Jesus is sent. So school's about to start, and with the start of school, late August, parents are kind of, well, I would describe some of them as being slightly on edge about something. They're waiting for news about which teacher their student got, or if they're in high school or middle school, which teachers and perhaps even which classes did they manage to get, because sometimes with overcrowding, you don't get that. This is kind of a late summer ritual, and I went through it with my daughter, with her, her girls in Seattle. Or perhaps you've lived in a fast-growing community like we did when we were, our kids were in school. It was in Bend, Oregon, for 10 years. And it was fast-growing, and that meant they were building a new school almost every year. And that meant my kids, particularly my daughter, got to change schools during grade school because they reboundaried everything, okay? And so you find out you're going to a new school. You know, it doesn't really matter what your story is. Because guess what? Our kids are being sent. Our kids, not just us. That promise, that word of Jesus is for kids who know him as well. They are being sent into their school. And I want to let you know this will change the way you pray. You see, when our kids are deciding which teacher, sometimes we're focused just on that, on the academic side of it and all of that. But my prayer when my kids were growing up was Jesus This seems like a great match for my child. But give them the teacher and the class of kids you're sending them to. And it turned out amazing. Not always the way I, uh, with my favorite teacher. But it turned out amazing. Now, you might think, well, what about, you know, college? Well, you know, our son, he applied to a bunch of colleges and he got accepted by a bunch of them. And he had to make a decision, which college? Should I go to? Now, he loved UCLA because of basketball. And it was a Pac-12 school out of his choices. So as a parent, what did I pray? God let him go there? Help him choose that? No. That's not what I prayed. I journaled about this and read it just about a month ago. I prayed that he would hear God about where he was being sent. Because he was sent to those students, to those classes, to those professors in that college. Now, when he got to school, his roommate, the first year in the dorms, his name was Bassam Khan. And he was a a young man from Pakistan whose parents were both physicians. Bassam was an interesting dude. He, his favorite friends, his most frequent guests to the dorm room were anarchists. You think there was a little authority problem there? They held to that philosophy. And together, they loved to kind of poke at Jordan to see if they could get a reaction from him that would be less than loving, that would suggest something different about his Christian faith. 
I'll let him be the determinant of whether that ever happened, <laughs> whether he ever lost it with them. But they did a series of uh, crazy things in the dorms to try to do that with them. Now, a lot of you say, was I worried with the roommate he got? He's from Pakistan. He was a Muslim. No, I wasn't. I wasn't because he wasn't sent just by Jared and I. It wasn't our recommendation. He was sent by God. And because he obeyed, because he went there, some kids, some students, and some leaders got to hear about Jesus, got to see his life and his love that year. So Jared and I have become friends with the former coach, football coach at Glencoe High School. He understood that as a coach of football, he was there to coach football and nothing else, and that was the it. No. You see, this man, he's a wonderful man, is a believer in Jesus Christ. So he understood that he was a coach, sent as a coach to share God's love and forgiveness and acceptance with his students and his colleagues and his players. And he had the privilege to see a bunch of his players come to faith in Christ during his time coaching there. And in fact, now four of them have become pastors, and a whole bunch of other ones have become ministers in the marketplace where most of us spend our life and our witness and our testimony for Christ. So here's the deal. A new school year is about to begin, and I don't know about you. I still think of the year in terms of a school year, even though my kids are grown and out of the house. So if you're an educator or you're an administrator or you're an educational aide or a facility personnel or you're a student or you're some other kind of educational specialist, next Sunday, we want to send you. We want to send you as you go to the people and the places that you've been assigned to bring God's life and love. You are not where you are by accident. You are not there just to collect a paycheck. It is so much more than that. You are sent by God himself. He has people for you to meet and people for you to introduce to his life and love. There's no spectators. There's no bench warmers. There's no second or third string standing by on the sidelines. So today, as we send the sawchucks, God wants to remind us of that. And he wants to invigorate each of our partnerships with him. As sent ones, he wants to give you fresh eyes to see where you live, where you work, where you travel, where you go to school, and yes, the people you play with if you play a little more because you're retired. These are your field of action, and you are his player today, bringing his love and forgiveness just as certainly as the Sawchucks, whom we're sending today, are going to do that in Battleground, Washington. So the first thing to know about being sent is that every follower of Jesus is sent. And the second thing we know about being sent from this Jesus encounter is to be sent, you must be willing to lose some things. Uh Uh-oh. This is where it gets painful. This is where it gets uncomfortable and God messes with us. Jesus said, just as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. I'm the kind of person that says, okay, so how Was Jesus sent? What did that look like anyway? Let me read for you from Philippians 2, verses 5 through 8. This description of Jesus being sent. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. 
Okay, so let's summarize. What did it look like for Jesus to be sent? He let go of heaven to come here to planet Earth. He made himself nothing. He let go of his status, his privileges, his power and position. Jesus became human, and he didn't become a high and mighty human. He didn't come as a king. He came as a humble servant and a carpenter. Jesus humbled himself, it says, and became obedient to death, even death on a cross, which was a criminal's death. So what do we learn from how Jesus was sent? It's this, that to be sent means you have to lose some things. The first of those is the comfortable and the familiar, as in our homeland or our home country, the place where we've been, with the people we know, with the things that we love. Jesus left the perfection of heaven to come to earth, an earth that it says all of creation is groaning, looking forward to the day of its redemption. This is a messed up planet. This is a broken planet where even creation is groaning. And that meant that Jesus was leaving something very dear to him. We also have to leave our status. Just as Jesus left the vestiges that were rightfully his, and some of ours are not rightfully ours. We're just blessed that we have them. But Jesus deserved all the great power that he had. And he left all of that to take on our human form. He made himself nothing. You talk about a step down. That's a step down. It made me think of the kids in Uganda when I took a team to Uganda a few years back. And we took the kids, the orphans, on a trip to Kampala, the capital city, where the only escalators in the country exist. And they got to ride these escalators. And you forget what such a simple thing it was. We spent a lot of time on the escalators. And the thing is, they didn't know, they didn't really think about the purpose, you know. It was to carry you up or carry you down. No, they had to go up the down escalator and down the up escalator. They had to try it all. I think it was Bill Hybels who first coined the phrase in one of his early books that said, you know, being sent like Jesus is to go down the up escalator. To go down the up escalator. That's what Jesus did. He stepped down from privilege and from power in order to be with us. The third thing we have to lose is our, our stability or security. I really call this our attempts at controlling things in our lives. You remember a few weeks ago I mentioned how the wilderness is such a perfect metaphor for life. You can't control it. A lot of things happen that you have no control over. And we kind of live in an illusion that we have control until something happens, like Jesus decides to send us. And then we realize how much we don't have control. Fourthly, we, we get to lose our friends. Now, not exactly. You might be saying, you mean Jesus doesn't want me to have friends? You mean I'm supposed to ditch him? No, that's not what I'm saying. But in a very real way, being sent means that God will allow our relationships to be changed, to be adjusted. You see, a person that I was able to be with regularly during the week, I won't be able to be with regularly during the week because God sent me to some new people. Now, will I be able to periodically pick up with them? And technology has allowed us to do that more than ever before. But the reality is God's focus is on where I'm sent and who I'm sent to. So my relationships with with my existing friends, has to be adjusted. And that's painful sometimes. And fifthly is 
we have to be willing to lose some resources. And I'm not talking just about money, but time as well. We have to let go of some of our discretionary time, depending on who God has sent you to and who he's sending me to. And we have to let go. He might redirect our giving. He might ask us to adjust our standard of living for the sake of others. That's his right to do so because he's Lord. Being sent meant that Jesus put everything on the line for us. So we are sent just as he was. And that means we get to put everything on the line for the people that we're sent to. It means hard work. It means sacrifice. It means humility. So we were sent to our neighborhood 12 years ago, the longest we've lived anywhere. And most of the time, that's meant hosting people in our home or hosting neighborhood events, um, like speed dating with our neighbors or meals um, together or coffee dates together or sometimes just sharing a cold beverage on our, on our stoops. That's our front steps. Or maybe acts of kindness like delivering cinnamon rolls on Christmas morning or shoveling snow uh, for the many sidewalks and all those wonderful concrete steps we have. But the past two months, they haven't been fun. The past two months have been really difficult. In fact, they've involved tears in our HOA. Now, I've had some glimpses of God being at work, and those little glimpses encourage me, but I'm flying blind a lot of the time, just going, God, what are you up to? Even though I know I was sent. And the thing is, I've questioned myself as well. But a few days ago, right in the middle of my weariness and my self-doubts, I received a text from none other than Lori Dickerson, our missionary to Uganda. Now, let's face it. Uganda, that's a little rougher than where I live. Okay? I just acknowledge that. But what was she doing? At a very early morning hour, she texted me and said, I've been moved to pray for both you and Jared this morning. And then she signed off with two simple sentences that together with her prayers meant so much to me. They just were, may God's peace be on you. I love you. And then yesterday morning, my mom, who's visiting another one of my sisters, sent me a text. And she wrote, woke up early, so the Lord and I prayed for our neighbors. And then I prayed for my favorites, J and A. That's us. A good mom. But here's the deal, folks. Being sent cost you. It cost Jesus everything. But you were worth it. And so are the people that you and I have been sent to. And the people of battleground that the Sawchucks have been sent to. Why am I telling you we have to lose a few things when we're sent? Because this is true for Elizabeth and Rick and their family. And that's why it's so important today that we stand with them, our friends and fellow pastors, as they're sent. Because as a community, they need our words of encouragement. As a community, we need to commit to praying for them. As a community, we need to send an early morning text saying, praying for you. And encourage them in their new assignment. That's why it's so important. The third thing about being sent is from this Jesus encounter is this. We are sent with the Holy Spirit. 
Nobody goes alone. As the Father has sent me, Jesus said, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In another sending moment that the disciples had with Jesus after his resurrection, they were all gathered around him, and he made this promise, and it's recorded for us in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and to the ends of the earth. These words were spoken to men and women. Maybe there were some children in the group. I don't know. But these words were spoken to people who had participated in miracles with Jesus. They'd been sent out to villages on Jesus' behalf. They had a lot of sending experience, or at least a little. And they understood, we cannot represent Jesus to anyone without the help of the Holy Spirit. Whether it's the first time you've ever been sent, or the 15th time that you've been sent, we need him. You know, when I was in college, we learned this little chorus. It said, fill me, Jesus, fill me now. Fill me, Jesus, with your precious holy power. I am yours, O Lord, to do with as you will. So fill me, Jesus, right now. I didn't like that. When I first sang it, I thought, wow, that's kind of disrespectful. Right now? If I said that in a request to my parents, you know what that would have gotten me? My dad was 6'4", and he knew how to take care of us when we were being insubordinate, you might say. So that wouldn't have been, that wouldn't have gone over when I added right now to a request. And that's kind of what I thought at first. But after just a short time of singing it, I realized I like that. I changed my mind about it because there's a certain insistence in that phrase that really communicates, I can't do life without you, Holy Spirit, even in this singular moment. Fill me. Lord. So we sing our songs, come and move. We make room for you. We stand in awe of all you do. Come and move. We make room for you. Our one desire is to be with you. David Livingston was an early missionary to Africa who endured a lot of hardship and had to live a very arduous lifestyle that included walking 29 thousand miles to be with the people that he was sent to, to move around to each place. His wife died early in his ministry. And on top of that, he endured a lot of opposition, not from people who didn't know God. He endured it from the people who did know God. Hmm. Does that sound familiar sometimes? He endured it from the brothers and sisters in Christ from Scotland where he was from, he prayed this way. It's our prayer. Send me anywhere, only go with me. Lay any burden on me, only sustain me. Sever any ties but the tie that binds me to your service and to your heart. He knew that the one thing you don't want to be sent without is the presence of God in the person of the Holy Spirit. So we are sent with the person of the Holy Spirit. No one goes alone. And today, as we pray for Rick and Elizabeth and their kids, Katerina and Gabriel and Noah, 
we are praying for the Holy Spirit to come upon them in a fresh way. Not the first time he's come upon them, but in the Ephesians 5 way where it says, be being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's present tense, continuous. So there's always room for another invitation. Come and move. We make room for you. That's our prayer for them. Come upon them, Holy Spirit, in power. That they'll have everything they need for their marriage to thrive in the middle of the pressures of ministry and coing together. That they'll have everything they need to parent these fabulous, amazing kids in this new season. That they'll have all that they need to love and lead in battleground. And you notice the order of those. God starts with us. He wants to take care of them. He cares about them. Not just the ones that he sent to. And he's going to empower them. Come and move. We make room for you, Holy Spirit. I'd like to pray for you. And Rick and Elizabeth are going to come and share with you for a few minutes. Jesus, I just pray for all of us that we too, as we send Rick and Elizabeth, that we would be stirred in our hearts about who we've been sent to. And that, Lord, we would not go it alone that we would invite the fresh filling of your Holy Spirit and would do that daily. And Lord, then last but not least, I pray that if there's anyone here holding on to something they need to let go of in order to reach and love and live out your, your life in front of the people they've been sent to, that you'll show them that and that they will give it to you, knowing that what you have is so much better. We pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Wow, what a morning. It was just over four years ago that we received a call from Jared and Ann inviting us to come to Hillsborough and join the leadership team, the pastoral team, and we felt God speak to us. And it was on a morning like this where we came up here and were introduced and very quickly opened our arms to us. This community, we begin to love the city, the place that we serve, our neighborhood, the various groups we're involved with. And uh, this past Sunday, the past Friday, I stayed after Starbucks with my uh, good friend Greg and after a Starbucks journaling group. And we um, talked to a, a friend named Todd who's, who likes to cycle and visit. We knew each other. And he goes, well, what's Evergreen like? And I said, that's a dangerous question. Evergreen, Evergreen I see, helps people find and follow Jesus. The Evergreen I see invites those who feel far from God to draw near and come as they are, be transformed in worship. The Evergreen I see teaches people how to know God when they don't know him yet and applies scripture to their lives so they can walk out this life. The Evergreen I see is filled with children running down the hallway with joy because they feel welcomed, they feel loved, and they know they can encounter God and friends. The Evergreen I see reaches here, near, and far. Here through a food bank that regularly serves a couple hundred people a month takes care and encourages precariously housed students that are forgotten, volunteers in various schools with various project and practical ways. The Evergreen I see reaches far into Mexico and building homes, into Chicalte and, and holistic transformation through food for hungry. The Evergreen I see is committed to being rooted and having an experience of connecting, going deeper in our faith. And I thought there's so much more I could say. And as I thought about it, I realize the best is yet to come. God has more. And uh, we will champion that from afar. Close by, actually, another state. Our life verse, Acts 20, is, is this passage 
Paul talks about as he's saying goodbye to people, and this is a verse that we've kind of, as our, our motto, it says, Paul says, whatever, what matters most to me is to finish what God started, the job the Master Jesus gave me of letting everyone I know, everyone I meet, know all about this incredibly extravagant generosity of God. We've done it for the season here, and we will continue to do it as we move. Now, God's called us to move on, and it was early in the summer. I remember waking up one morning and opening my phone, and there was a scripture reading for the day in Genesis 12, where uh, God speaks to Abram and says, and, and, and get up and leave your county and go to the land I will show you. And I realized, it doesn't say that. It says country. I realized I live in Washington County, and God is sending us to Washington State, to battleground. And the slip kind of caught the irony of the moment that God says, I'm standing and says, leave behind, take your children and your possessions with you, and go. And the promise is, I will bless you to be a blessing. And our time here at Evergreen has been so, such a blessing to us, to listen with me and my family, baptizing our kids, baptizing your kids. And we are grateful that we're not leaving. We're being sent. And that is a great encouragement to us, that we are part of you. God's calling us to a part of a city, a county, a community. We get to love a neighborhood in process, a church, a community, neighbors that we've not met yet. And the goal is to let them know how extremely grateful, generous God is in this, this mantra. And we want to thank you for all the ways you've served with us, prayed with us. We've seen God do miracles in your midst. And uh, the best is yet to come. So as we prepare to move on, we ask you to pray for us. And for somewhere, as we ask God that you would join us in battleground, if God so puts it on your heart. And uh, we are blessed because we've been here. So thank you for loving us and for sending us. Thanks. The scripture that I keep coming back to is Hebrews 11, verse 1. Now, faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It was June 27th um, that I woke up really early. So early that it had to have been God, because I'm not always prone to that. <laughs> and I figured he wanted my attention. And it was in those early hours, it was before there was any sort of official offer from Battleground Foursquare asking us to come, that God talked to me about my willingness to let go of all the things that give me great security and take a risk of faith for the things we hope for that we don't see. Would I be willing to leave a home that I personalized and loved, which is always a really big challenge for me about moving? Would I leave the family that finally, after years of living out of state, lives close by? Would I leave the most close-knit church community and staff that I've ever experienced in my whole life to say yes to a new adventure? But for a Jesus follower... You can squirm in your seat for a while, but the only real answer is, yes, I'm willing. Lord, if you say so, I'll go. And so began a season of tumultuous change, exciting possibilities, and painful goodbyes. The hardest thing is watching my kids say goodbye to the Evergreen Church community because you've loved our family so well, and we love you back fiercely.
The move to Battleground was Jesus' invitation to our family to an adventure. Some of our new friends from Battleground are here with us this morning. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We're buying and selling houses right now. Let me tell you that the real estate community doesn't have the same definition of certainty that this scripture does. (laughs) Certainty is inspections. Certainty is measuring to see if curtains and furniture and sectionals fit in a new house. Certainty is what you see and what you can measure. But certainty with God, and this is the paradox, it's not about what you can see. It's entirely based on his character, his being on our side, the fact that he's telling a good story. Worship at the 8 o'clock service began with an, an older song, um, Chris Tomlin's Forever, and the chorus of that is the same as Psalm 103. It says, his love endures forever. That was the same song that started our wedding, so it caught my attention. And I was thinking about that being the underlying confidence. His love endures forever. And because of that, I know he's telling a good story in Battleground. And he's telling a good story at Evergreen. And he's telling a good story for the Sacheks. And that's in spite of the fact that we're going to a town that's about to experience a 50% increase in population. So we're being sent to pastor a city that really doesn't exist yet, as well as the one that currently does. The church itself, which has loved Battleground well over 20 years, and we get to stand on the shoulders of the leaders that went before us, it's poised to grow and needs to find its own building. But at this very minute, when you drive into town and it's not Sunday morning, the church building isn't visible. Our home is being built, and only 10% of our neighborhood exists, so we're literally called to love neighbors who are currently invisible. We can't see them yet, but they're coming. So every challenge of this transition period has been perfectly suited to increasing our faith. God's been a faithful coach. He has added difficulty and weight for us to lift this summer, but it's not been for the purpose of breaking us, but to prepare us to lead the battleground church into the future that he alone can already see. For me, the most important lesson is that his love endures forever. And that's where my confidence is for my kids, for our This church for that church, he's telling a great story. And I want to say yes to playing part of it. And I know that you do as well. Thanks for sending us. Thanks for praying for us. We're not the first ones to think about this crazy idea of sending folks. In fact, we enter into a stream of uh, 2,000 years of the Holy Spirit speaking to churches. Our uh, model church, Antioch, in Acts 13. Now, the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work for which I have called them. And after they'd fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. As uh, pastors come, uh, council members that are here today, if you would join us as well. That's from the point of view of the church. And I, uh, I don't imagine the church was thrilled that Paul and Barnabas were the ones that were picked to go. How, what do you think? And then a little bit later, we hear what the experience was of the leaders of the church at Ephesus, Acts 20 
When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. And they all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. Well, we've already had some tears today. We've already had some hugs today. Rick, I'm not going to kiss you today. That, that one, I just interpret that one, Rick, as, a, as kind of a situational thing. And <laughs> we're going to leave that up to Matt. We're going to... All the kissing's going to between the between the council and the pastor. Uh, Rick, we're going to have a fist bump and an elbow bump. We may even do a manly chest bump. We're not going to kiss. But we get what that feels like. There is faith and hope and love, and it's really a mixed bag. Uh, you know, the first chap, uh, the first paragraph, is a sentence in the book, "The Purpose Driven Life," that many of you have been influenced by, and it says this. It's really not about you. A wonderful, tricky way to start a book. It is this amazing reminder, isn't it? This is not about you. It's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about the Foursquare Church in Battleground, Washington. It is about claiming Jesus Christ as Lord and saying yes to him. And the confidence that we have is that when you are commissioned into your next step with Jesus... Well, that is a no-lose situation. That is win-win. And so would you extend your hand of blessing this way? Team of leaders around here, put your hand of blessing on. In fact, some of you might come down to the front. You might want to kneel down and touch base with all the family. Lord, we join this tradition of the Spirit in the church of 2,000 years that's alive today and fresh. As Holy Spirit, you have intervened into what was a really sweet thing we all thought here. And in that intervention said, set apart for me, Rick and Elizabeth and their kids and send them to the work that I have prepared for them. And we affirm that, we confirm that, we stand on that word today, Lord. This is your place, it's your time. Not only have you prepared these leaders and this family for battleground, but Lord, you have prepared in your history of that church and community, you've prepared that place for them to come. It's a perfect fit. It's a match made in heaven beyond our wildest imagination or dreams. And so, Lord, it's with confidence today that we send them with faith. We believe that you are absolutely solidly in the middle of this 100%. This is your design and plan. We send them with that confidence And, Lord, we believe in them, too. And our laying on of hands commissions them. Lord, we've seen their lives, and we confirm your calling and gifts and the fruitfulness of their life. Lord, we send them with confidence. We send them with hope today, Lord. Lord, to a place that has been prepared for you. And, Lord, these are the next leaders in that great congregation. And, Lord, we believe that the future is bigger and better and brighter. We have hope. And Lord, today we send them with love. And that's where the tears come from, Lord. Lord, it's, uh, it's tough to send friends and leaders who have loved us so well. But we say yes to you too. And we send them with love. And commend them to your spirit in Jesus' name. Would you say together with me, amen. And would you use your hands to say we love the Sajaks. Yeah. Thank you. You guys can go.